Hello and welcome to the iGaming Industries talk radio show, iGaming FM. I'm your host and producer, Ellie Lynch, and this is my time to shine. <laughs> I hope everyone is enjoying their summer holidays. This week, I'll be giving the hosting chair a whirl myself while Stuart tours around sunny Spain with his family. We are all extremely jealous here at the studio. This is a very special episode for iGaming FM as we are celebrating our first birthday, which coincides with us reaching 1,000 followers on LinkedIn. And to celebrate, Square in the Air is going to buy me a new car. No? Brownies? Maybe brownies are in the budget? No? Okay, all right, fine. Now for the content. On this week's episode, we have a few more new voices added to the podcast roster, including Square in the Air's very own Mark Griffith. Mark is chatting to Technomin's Chief Sales Officer, Matt Sahakian, about crypto, the metaverse and company culture. Robin Hutchison interviews Jack Smith, Sales Director of Sporting Tech, looking at the software provider recent deal with 888 Africa. But first up, making his podcast debut, Aidan Cliff interviews Thomas Eigner of Ibex about the future of AI, personalization and the ever-present issue of bonus abuse. Producer Ellie, cue the music. <laughs> We are joined today by Thomas Eigner, who initially joined the iGaming industry via a payment provider, and after exploring the development of his own businesses, has since enjoyed supporting Bet Games, and now works at the forefront of shaping iGaming CRM as the head of business development for iBex.ai. Thanks for joining us today, Thomas. Yeah, thanks, uh, Aidan, for having me. For those that don't know, iBex.ai enables the use of machine learning to optimize marketing strategies. Thomas, what opportunities does integrating artificial intelligence into an operator CRM process allow for? Yes, we have many, many new opportunities by having uh, AI implemented into marketing and CRM processes. And I think two major topics here are, it's a little bit of buzzwording here, but uh, I will go into a little bit more detail, but uh, it's really helping to really 100% personalize and to do a very high level of automation. So I think that's our the two core opportunities we see with uh, artificial intelligence. And I know everybody says we're personalizing, we are automating. There is a, a great difference what, what is meant from our side. The ultimate goal is to be able to look into each individual player, give the best entertainment to each player by having artificial in place. And that's really what we can achieve as of today. And it's not a, a future topic anymore, so it's already there. We're using it since quite a while now and are happy to grow with new partners. Personalization and profitability are two core concepts underpinning ibex.ai. Could you tell us more about this? We basically started developing IBEX more than three years ago. And at the core of our models is really to look at the profits uh, which is the major KPI in any industry, because at the end of the day, the profit needs to be right. You want to optimize for profit and not uh, looking too much on short-term results or how good a campaign was uh, working out. Uh, so that's all good. And we, we also do this, but at the end of the day, we want to, to improve the lifetime value. We want to improve the lifetime profit. And that's really at the core of our business. Of course, if you think of, of marketing and CRM teams, they also have other KPIs to improve on, increasing deposits and 
increased likelihood of deposit, several other KPIs to think of second month retention rate, third month retention rates, and all of this. But at the core of our models, really look into the profit, define a full profit loss calculation. I think that's, that's one of the, the big advantages that we can also offer to really provide a full profit loss calculation for each player. And the models are basically taking those calculations on the expected lifetime value to define the next best action for each of the players. Many operators claim to have a level of personalization already. What can AI bring that an operator may not already have? If we talk about personalization, I think that's really important because what it really means is that According to my behavior, and if I take myself as an example, Thomas Eigner, I want to receive the right content, the right offers that I'm really interested in. And we know this from the big platforms, Amazon, Netflix, and others that we are using in our daily lives. And we are pretty used to this. And that's basically what personalization from my definition uh, should be. And within iGaming, we've seen several developments, whether talking about front-end personalization or uh, making sure that we have customer journeys in place that try to personalize. I think in most cases, what we currently see when people talk about personalization within iGaming, it's uh, making more granular target groups, but it's not a 100% personalization. It's getting smaller cohort groups, smaller target groups, creating maybe more campaigns for those target groups, but it's not 100% personalized for each individual player. The same, I think, uh, we also see with, with customer journeys. So we can build lots of customer journeys, which then say that, that they are personalizing the experience, but it's still a rule-based system and not using artificial or partly using artificial intelligence to support it but at the end of the day it's, it's a rule-based system yeah if i create the customer journey or if i create the campaign and it's still an average yeah, i'm giving to a group of people so i think that's it's really important to see what we already have as of today in most cases it's rule-based systems gamification systems cu building customer journeys building campaigns for target groups but personalization as i said in the beginning it should be really for me as thomas eigner the best experience i can get a lot of operators may claim to have personalization, but really what they have is segmentation taken to the nth degree. Exactly. Where rather than targeting one customer, they're targeting... Yeah, the they're, they're going way more granular and coming up with 150 target group yeah, that is defined. And then you create a campaign for this target group. And at some point, uh, you need more people to take care of all the target groups that you created. You need more people to take care and manage the campaigns that you created. And that should not be the goal. And that's uh, maybe coming back to your first question. It's really how AI can support here because you cannot have a person in your marketing team for each player. You, know, you need to have support of AI to be able to look into each player and otherwise it's not possible. Bonus abuse is an ever-present problem for operators. How does the introduction of AI in the CRM process prevent this from occurring? It's really a big issue. And uh, by using IBEX, we have really seen to decrease bonus costs more than 50% for operators. How can we do this? It's coming back to one of the points I was referring to in the, in the beginning that we or the models really consider the full profit loss calculation for each player. They will understand and they'll learn what users are basically just grabbing a bonus. They will not bring a profit at the end of the day to the operator. And that's basically built into our models to identify this and making sure that at the end of the day, of course, we want to see a profit. If it's not worth to give a bonus to a user, why should we do it? I mean, you can still always 
overrides the system. You can still give a retention campaign or a bonus manually to a user group that IBEX or the machine learning models are considering as bonus abusers. So you can override this. But basically at the core of the models, as I said, they are learning over time more and more. You can get more rid of those players and the bonus abuse and also highly decrease the bonus cost. It just gives to each player what they really expect and what could drive the return, uh, retention, of course. So with a focus on profit and loss calculations done by the artificial intelligence, it's only going to trigger a bonus for a player if they are going to have some sort of positive lifetime value for the operator. You can still overwrite the system if you want to. Yeah, if you say, look, uh, we still think we can do something with that player group, yeah, even if the system has identified them, maybe bonus abusers or bonus grabbers, you can still do something with them, but it would not be triggered automatically. It would then go back into a manual process. And what is your ideal partner or client? So the ideal partner at the moment is really, I would say, every company that wants to grow and scale more quickly. So whether we're talking about bigger companies who have uh, big teams who want to enter a new market and who want to use AI to really go there right now before maybe ramping up a big team for that specific market, because you can use IBEX, you can use our AI tools and, and our automation tools to really use your existing teams, whatever size it is. It can be a small CRM marketing team. It can be a bigger one. You basically give them IBEX next to their daily work and it will help massively to, to scale and grow the business. So that's really what, what we're looking for as the ideal partner to get rid of major legwork from the teams so that they can focus on more creative work and strategy work and being more commercial responsible on, on long term and not just from one campaign to the other. On the other hand, to scale and grow with an automated system in place. One of the really key messages that I'm currently trying to push is to potential partners that they should challenge their status quo. And by challenging the status quo, I mean really whatever CRM tool you maybe already have in place, whatever your structure is in, in your retention marketing team, whatever, how big the team is, I just try to challenge the status by giving you our machine learning models that are built over more than three years, really strong on, on optimizing for lifetime value and giving this for a three-month trial. And I think the major message here is that we can also do it without an initial integration because we all know how hard it is to fight for an integration slot with a platform provider or with the operator itself. The discussion of 12 months plus to get on, on such priority list. We know how strong our models perform. So that's really the, the message out there. Challenge your status quo, trial IBEX for free, no integration needed and see it in action and see how well our models are performing on your brand. Thanks about Aidan. Next up, Robin talks to Jack Smith, Sales Director of Sporting Tech. Now, you've recently joined Sporting Tech along with a number of others. Oh, I know you've been in the industry for a while now. Give us a bit of background. Um, how did you get to this place? Yeah, as you just said, obviously, I've been in the industry a while now. So I think just coming up to about eight years. And so in that time, I've actually had the pleasure of working or meeting a number of the ST guys previously, whether I'd, I'd worked with them in previous roles or had the pleasure of knowing them, working directly with them when they were uh, other operators as well. 
So for me, Sporting Tech started to see some traction. They were becoming more and more active on iGaming media, news bulletins, things like that. So kind of seeing why, where the, the direction that they were heading and some of their beliefs, it kind of aligned with how I see the industry going. So once the opportunity came up to team up with obviously some of the guys that I've worked with to further build their relationships and really just to push this brand forward into a new space, try and grow it into something that we believe the, the potential it has, that it was a no brainer for me to, to be a part of this team. Then the company announced a, a fairly significant deal with 888 Africa. Feels like a little bit of a game changer, that one. Can you explain a little bit more about the deal, what it entails, what you'd be doing for them? Yeah, absolutely. So look, I'm not going to sit here and take any credit for that one. All credit will fall there with the, the guys that obviously have been working extremely hard since the start of the year to, to close that one out. But look, that just gives an indication as to, to partly one of the reasons that I joined. So I think to obviously to, to get a, a global juggernaut like 888, entrusting with us with, with a new venture into Africa, obviously a rapidly expanding market. It's great proof of the strides that Sport and Tech are, are taking to try and cement themselves as a tier one technology provider. So I think even before we've announced this, there's some, some rumblings going on in the background here there's there's some really good things going on i think look come the end of the year and the build up to the world cup there's there's going to be some really really new exciting announcements that that i think we're really excited to share with everyone and that that will just further cement like i've said previously it's just moving into the space where we're a huge operation and a technology provider that people would would trust and use people who know sporting tech will know that um latam has been a big area for you guys in recent times i presume it's still going to be but is Africa now, given this, this deal with 888, is that going to be a big focus for you too? 100%. I think it'd be fair to say that even even with LATAM, Africa has always been a big focus for us. I think the ability for us to be able to create something fairly unique and localised uh, and do so in, in different continents is, is, is the direction that we're, we're heading. 888 Africa are a good case in point. I mean, you, you have to start somewhere and obviously we, we have a number of sites live in Africa and you can use those as, as good case studies as to why 888 chose to partner with us. But I think the, the real thing for us is if you look back at IGB Live earlier this month, we were showcasing the mobile light product, something fairly innovative to the industry, taking players in, into account and, and how they operate and, and their general habits when using gambling sites. If you look at Africa as a whole, data is still very expensive on the mobile, but the majority of players do play on mobile so be able to kind of offer something where you strip back the site but it's still agile it's light it's not very data expensive it comes with a low cost to use that is a, is an attractive option for a player essentially they're then using the money that they would have used on data on a data intensive website and being able to use that to place bets with as well so for us that's been a huge focus and africa will always remain a focus for us as well it's rapidly evolving as data will obviously get cheaper as well there's, there's obviously retail aspects to it as well that the product itself Itself is, is just ever evolving and we'll always try and, and keep up with, with the demands and our operators' needs. Here in the UK, obviously the Premier League and the EPL, as people know it, started at the weekend. We've also got a very exciting World Cup on the horizon in November and December unusually, but I guess a lot of operators will be looking to see what they can do to maximise revenues, margins, get their players in um, for events like that. And If I was an operator, what should I be doing to prepare for the event in Qatar at the moment? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. Obviously, we've never really been in this position before. We've got a World Cup in the middle of a football season. If we weren't already overloaded with football in previous years, like we've seen since COVID, I think now is is going to be more than ever. I mean, look, I can't speak on behalf of other operators because look, some of the, the industry heavyweights, they, they would have had these plans started at the beginning of the year. There's strategies in place, ideas, especially if you look at the UK, there's always new innovative ways to, to engage with players. What I can say, though, is on behalf of what we're doing for our operators and some 
something that we had great success with last year with the Euros is, is creating these widgets, almost like seasonal widgets specific for, for big competitions like the Euros, the World Cup. So we're doing it again for the World Cup this year. What that will actually enable our operators to do is, is to make sure that we elevate World Cup content straight to the front of the page for their players. I mean, I talk from personal experience, you're probably the same. You want to know what fixtures are on on any given day for any particular sport, you'll use a dedicated app where it will list all the fixtures, you'll have live scores, etc, etc. So for us, what we're trying to do is create like a one-stop shop whereby if a player needs to know what games are on that day, you create a convenience factor where they know they can come straight to one of our sites, one of our operators who have all the World Cup content there on the homepage, who have statistics, group tables, associated betting markets with those. And just to ensure that obviously we're creating maximum engagement with our players as well. And then the plan obviously is then to hope to continue to engage those players so that they continue to come back to that site after the World Cup and it becomes an ongoing success. So look, we're talking here in August with the World Cup, as I said, starting in November and going through into December. Is it too late? If I'm an operator, can I still talk sporting tech and get something set up for the World Cup? Absolutely, yes. One of the key things that's a great testament to the tech guys and, and the delivery and the onboarding teams is the, it's our ability to be able to turn out these these sites for operators. So we're working on quick timelines. We appreciate that, like I was just saying previously, we're in a, we're in a time now where there's so much upcoming football content with the new season. It feels like COVID's behind us as well now, so everyone can kind of move, is moving into spending more money again. Operators are looking to do new, big, lavish things. So for us, we're, we're still engaging with operators at the moment, uh, very much with the focus of, look, we, we can have you live by the World Cup. The sooner we can get those up uh, and running, the better. Now is no better time. We do appreciate that as you creep further towards the World Cup, what you don't want to be doing is going live with a, another operator or provider where essentially you're, you're not giving yourself time to build traction to the follow-up. So at the moment, we're onboarding some guys, generally working on, on very quick timelines. I think we've had four or five go out the door already in July and the delivery guys are working non-stop when most of us are on summer holidays so credit to them and and, and yeah so just a credit to the business. Let me put you on the spot then Jack because there's a lot of people out there who do sports betting platforms let's be honest about it and um, what makes sporting tech different and you know if you if you were talking to me over a beer in a bar at a trade show how would you persuade me to use sporting tech's platform and not someone else's i'm glad you said that because uh that's definitely where i would probably find each other if we met in person i'd imagine <laughs> so yeah yeah you're completely right you, you go to these you go to trade shows now in general um and it's it's a who's who there's always a new platform provider a technology provider coming with something innovative something different so for us obviously it's it's making sure that, that we're at forefront of those trends i think for us we center a lot of our general development and our offering uh, around being a turnkey solution. So with that, obviously comes the flexibility and the ability for operators to localize their product offering. If I look where we sit against competitors, you see a lot of platform providers these days in the market. They come with huge, expansive offerings huge amount of content sports market types different verticals new ways to to try and bring in revenue but essentially badging something up just with a localized language and being the same in every country just does not work so for us it's purely about localization if i take brazil for example we're going great strides in brazil at the moment we recently won platform provider of the year at the inaugural biz awards uh, and much of that was basically speaking to local operators, harnessing their local expertise in the market, saying, look, what, what works, what doesn't work, and then be able to give them something that's flexible, working with our technology and their experience 
basically creating like a unique proposition for the players for years to come. The key thing is it's not just for the World Cup, it's it's ongoing. It's being able to be agile and flexible so that if something does change in the market or something becomes popular, we have the ability to then manipulate the product at, at fairly minimal effort, but then also continue to follow the trends and make sure that that, that we're at the top of uh, at the top of the ladder. Makes sense. Okay. Um now, you mentioned the Brazilian uh, awards there. I can't let you go without talking about Colin McDonough and Bobby Longhurst. I rinsed Colin on LinkedIn the other day because at that ceremony, he looked like someone out of Miami Vice. But he's a very well-dressed man, and so is Bobby. <laughs> Probably two of the best-dressed men in gaming, in fact. Um, have you literally had to smarten up your act after joining Sporting Tech? And how much have they paid you to slip that one in at the end there? <laughs> No, but it, look, I, I guess as well, best dressed is a matter of opinion as well. I'm sure there's some people that might think they're a bit too flash, but um, but but no, I've known these guys for a number of years now. That's who they are. What I will say is, is look, they're all about creating a good first impression. And I, I completely agree with that. I think it's fair to say whatever line of work that you work in, that when you're meeting someone for the first time, you obviously you want to come across, give a good appearance whether that's personally or, or professionally. So for me, it's always been about dressing smartly. I will admit they have had a bit of an influence on me over the years. I'm starting to find that my trousers are starting to creep further up above my ankles and that where sometimes going out without socks on is is acceptable as well, much to some people's disagreements. But it's very much that we want to create a good first impression. I think that is the general ethos of, of everyone here at the business. We, 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 we make great strides and in obviously making sure that internally that when we go to these shows that everyone is, is dressed accordingly we want people to realize that we're, we're professional and that from that that we're going to work in a professional and um, in a good business manner as well finally mark speaks to technomin's chief sales officer matt zahakian welcome matt hi mark how are you thank you for having me I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Fine, thank you very much. So Technomain was founded in 2020. So could you just tell us a bit about the company and where your main focuses are? The main focus of Technamin, the ultimate iGaming uh, solution, is regulated uh, markets all around the world, uh, but also keeping in mind this uh, global approach that is so uh, typical of uh, our iGaming uh, industry. The ideas of connectivity and culture those things are really important to you. So in that vein, what kinds of opportunities do you think crypto and crypto casinos present to the industry in general? At Technamin, I think we can define ourselves as a crypto enthusiast. And the consequence of this that you see in our platform or the platform we provide, this crypto-friendly approach brought by uh, the technology we propose uh, to our partners. And you can see it in the main aspects of the customer journey in our uh, iGaming uh, industry. So in my opinion, to, to summarize, the biggest opportunity of crypto in our, our industry is that it basically is every single main aspect of the player interaction in all the main steps of his journey. You describe yourselves as crypto enthusiasts. Do you think the rest of the industry is falling behind in crypto? I would say that not everyone is a crypto enthusiast because not every company understood the potential behind this uh, tool and this uh, blockchain uh, technology. In our opinion, as I said, it really is the interaction of a player with our products in the iGaming industry. 
So it's really like a, a useful tool that we are happy to use. But you will have to think about Technamin as a startup in the digital world, more specifically in the high gaming industry, of course. But being a startup comes with a certain mindset. And I would say not every company is a startup and not every company has the startup mindset, which means to aim always for the newest solutions, especially in tech, especially in the digital world. So I would say that more established companies do not have the motivation or would not have as many reasons as we are to aim for new solution in general and crypto solutions in particular. So in terms of the, the cultural aspects of iGaming, can you talk about the ways in which offering these kinds of solutions, especially specific to each region, can help to bridge these cultural gaps? As you know, Technamin is based in uh, Armenia, which used to be historical crossroad between different empires and cultures. Our company itself is very diverse in terms of our backgrounds. We come from different corners of the world. Thanks to this, we see culture as an opportunity to conduct business in a more fruitful way. This has definitely amounted to bigger contracts, successful deals, and more productive uh, partnerships. With that kind of diverse workforce, do you find you have lots of different viewpoints, different opinions? Yes, uh, Mark, definitely. I think that this diversity is a strength when it comes to applying different uh, point of view. It can be in a meeting, but it can be also to find a technological solution to a given problem. And by problem, I mean a challenge given to us by a partner, an operator in his given market. And when you aim to be innovative, specifically in the iGaming industry, in the online context, I would say that diversity of opinion is definitely an asset when it comes to willing to provide those global but custom-made solutions. The markets these solutions are being offered to, with that diverse range of opinion, does that help in your approach offering to emerging and established markets? First of all, I would like to, to clarify that coming from different backgrounds, of course, uh, is a strength, but also experience in the industry is extremely important. For example, I've personally evolved in adapting different solutions to uh, the needs of the Latin market at the beginning of uh, my career in the iGaming industry four years ago. So just to give you an example, it's not necessarily where you come from, it's also what you have been doing in terms of experience in the iGaming industry and what this experience brought you in terms of knowledge of how the business is being done there, how the operation is being conducted there. When you look at it carefully, it's a very deep question, right? The cultural aspect and the cultural approach, especially in the global industry as iGaming that basically deal with all the continents. But to come back to your question, the approach is certainly different. In emerging marketplaces, we have the flexibility to implement new tools. However, marketing strategies can change drastically in this market as we have to invest more in introducing, I would even say educating sometime, these state-of-art technologies and tools to the audience. Whereas in established markets, the infrastructure is already there. What I also love about emerging markets is that 
you have the freedom to experiment more with different strategies and ideas. In terms of those new ideas, I think crypto especially is one of the more fast-paced aspects of our industry. How do you think we can use crypto to build towards greater connectivity? Crypto has been a, a big revolution in the world, in the tech field, and in, of course in the gaming industry. I would say that the next big step might be to integrate this into a metaverse. Everyone is talking about the metaverse as the next big trend. One of the drivers of the metaverse will be the gaming industry. But we have only scratched the surface of how iGaming will be involved in all of this. Virtual reality and augmented reality technology will likely be the next connective tissue allowing players from all around the world to meet each other in a virtual universe and interact further. Thanks to rapid technological progress, we are now able to offer users the opportunity to access thousands of top games and sports leagues through their phone, which showcases the diversity of products that we have in our industry. As a provider, Technology gives us a chance to be more connected with our clients and their players. We can measure their behavior. We can see statistics. All of this allows us to create more personalized experience that will appeal to everyone based on their preferences. It also allows us to keep players safe and create a secure environment that they can enjoy. At the end of the day, what you care about is to be connected with what you truly want, not just for the sake of connecting to something. I truly believe that this data-oriented approach is the key to increase the connectivity, but furthermore, to improve the connectivity from a qualitative uh, approach. The next big game changer in the industry, do you think it will be the metaverse or do you think there'll be a new cryptocurrency to kind of rival Bitcoin? At this stage, I think that the crypto currencies in general are made of this diversity of crypto coins. I would say that the next big move would be to integrate those innovative tools into the metaverse using the fact that, of course, the gaming industry will be the avant-garde of this revolution. And within the gaming industry, the iGaming will for sure benefit from those uh, tremendous uh, improvements and technological uh, revolutions. Thanks to all the contributors for this week's episode and to all the new faces joining us. Next time, we'll return to our usual scheduling with Stuart, and I will retreat back to my comfort zone. <laughs> Thank you again for your continued support of the podcast over the past year, for telling your stories and educating us. We've had nearly 50 guests in that time, and this production has been a fantastic effort from our team. And of course, we couldn't have done this without our amazing contributors as well. So thank you to everyone who has made that happen from the iGaming FM production team. Until next time, I've been Ellie Lynch, and this has been iGaming FM.